Thanks, guys. Really appreciate that. That was a great time. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, it's good to see all your smiling faces out there. Um, hey, I uh, I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying the cooler weather. Uh, I do not like hot weather, and uh, it's been fun the last week or so. Uh, a little bit warmer today, but not too bad. Um, I'm Jeep Underwood, and we're we're going to be finishing up a series today that we've been in called Been There, Done That. And uh, the foundational idea behind this series is just that because Jesus became human and became one of us, he really understands what it feels like to be us, and he can really empathize with us. And uh, when we, because he really has been there and he's really done that, he can, he can really help us relationally at the point of our need because he really understands what it's like to be us. So over the last few weeks, We've looked at, uh, we looked at when things are hard and when the pressure is on. We've looked at that and how Jesus can really help us there. And we've looked at following well and without a rebellious spirit and how Jesus can really help us there. And we last week, uh, John just gave a great message on when I'm too busy and how God can, how Jesus can really help us, uh, when that's the case in our lives. Today we're going to be looking at leading well and leading well can be can be very difficult. In fact, it can really include all those things that we've been talking about the last three weeks. But you know, there's a there's an old saying that says, "He who leads and no one follows is merely taking a walk." Now, you know what? There's a lot of truth in that. So when you take off leading, how do you get people to actually follow you? How do you lead well so that people actually follow you? I, I've I've heard people say over the years, just at work and other places, "Well, if I was in charge." I would tell people what to do, and then they go do it. But I'm not in charge, so I can't really, you know, make people do anything. Which is, I like to call that the Darth Vader rule of leadership. You know, uh, we've been watching some of the, we've been watching some of the, the uh, Star Wars movies, getting ready for the epic Episode Nine, which I hope is somewhere near epic. Um, but uh, you know, Darth Vader, he just, you know, he just tells people what to do if they don't come through. It's like. That's not a good career move for them. It's pretty much over. Um, and like we said a couple of weeks ago, you know, people, we just tend to not like people telling us what to do. And so that really, that really is not a very effective way of, of approaching leadership. So really to lead people, what you, you, to, for, to lead people for them to do, they have to decide that they're going to follow you. They have to decide that they're going to allow themselves to be influenced by you. Uh, leadership is really is that. Leadership is influence. And in fact, everywhere you have influence in your life, you have leadership. Everywhere you have influence in life, you really have leadership. In fact, God has really given every, each, uh, each one of us in arenas, different arenas of leadership where uh, we really, uh, we really are, we have influence or he wants us to have influence for the, for the good that he wants us to accomplish. It might be at work. It might be you know, you might be uh you might be a, a boss at work, you might be just a leader of a team, you might be just one of the team members. Uh it could be uh your arena of influence, it could be just as a mother leading your kids. In fact, that is probably one of the most powerful powerful places to be is the impact that a mom has on her kids. And then the arena of just a dad leading the family and the impact that the dad has in his arena of leadership. And then uh, 
Also, it could just be that group of friends that you have. It could be just people that you run with and, and you have influence. God wants you to have influence in their lives. So how do you gain influence or grow your influence in the arenas of leadership that God's given you? How do you grow your influence or how do you have influence? Uh, you know, I had, a, had an interesting experience uh, several years ago. I, I mentioned several times in the past how I was, uh, I was surprised one time with an acting supervisor role and it just kind of got dropped in my lap. And, you know, that's really interesting. When you become the acting supervisor of your, of, of your, like with me, it was a design section because everyone who works there are your peers. And I remember I got, I had the distinct pleasure of being the third acting supervisor, which meant I had to do the performance evaluations for everyone. Now, if you've ever sat across the table from all your peers and per- evaluated their performance, you know how enjoyable that would be. And, and I actually, these are the things that kind of go through my mind, like, how am I going to approach this? How do I approach this whole, um, this leadership thing where, uh, I'm trying to, uh, I'm really trying to figure out, uh, because I'm, I'm everyone's peer. And so as I was kind of stewing on that and thinking through that early, early in those few couple, three weeks, I came across a passage. I was reading through the book, the life of, uh, David. And in my quiet time, I came across this verse. In 2 Samuel, it says, And David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. And what really struck me was the pronouns and what was capitalized. And so if, let me read it with putting the real names in instead of the pronouns. David realized that the Lord had established David as king over Israel, and that God had exalted David's kingdom for the sake of God's people, Israel. And when I read that, the thing that kind of landed on me was, you know, as I approach this, what I need to be doing is I need to be looking. You know, God has put me in this arena of leadership at this moment in time. And one of the things he wants me to do is he wants me to take care of the people here. He wants me to make sure that they're being taken care of, that they have the things they need to get the job done. I also need to get the job done, but I really need to approach it from an aspect of really helping them out. Now, one thing that's really interesting is at that same time, there's two design sections where I work in the engineering company. The, they had another acting supervisor that started up. And uh, the, the, the supervisor there had retired. And this other supervisor, he had more of the Darth Vader approach. And, you know, he came in and he just said, you know what? His whole approach was there's a new sheriff in town. Everybody's been breaking a lot of rules around here. And rules will not be broken as of today. And he, he came down hard on everyone in the section and I'd say it took about two weeks before there was a full mutiny. <laughs> I mean, it was it was really quite a hubbub of things going on. And he decided, hey, I'm done. I don't want to be in this role anymore. And he stepped out. And so as I as I just watched that, I think God was really teaching. He's really teaching me some things during that moment. And one is the thing I want to just hone in on, and we're going to spend some time. This is what we're going to be talking about today: is to lead well. You have to get the job accomplished, and you have to build good relationships along the way. You have to get the God job accomplished and you have to build good relationships along the way. And so about, you know, about three years ago, I read a book by, uh, Henry Cloud that the book was called Integrity and he captures this in a great illustration that I want to share with you guys this morning. He, he has a picture of a wake behind a boat. In fact, you can go ahead and put that up on the screen. So you got this wake behind a boat. You got a boat that's going through the water and what's coming out the back of that boat is a wake on two sides. And if you've ever been on the water, you know, you can get kind of fun with a wake if you go across them with another boat. But uh, 
that's that he said that's what your life is like each one of us we're going through life and as a leader you're going through the organization you're going through the thing that you're leading and you're leaving a wake behind and he said both sides of the wake are this go ahead and go to the next slide he said one side of that wake is the task that you're getting done and the other side of the wake are the relationships that you're leaving behind so as you're going through life you're leading what you're leading what you have going out the back, the results that you're having, the results are both things getting done and relationships that you're leaving behind. <clears throat> and that's a, you know, so you can, that's really a way to evaluate how things are going. You can look back and go, hey, am I accomplishing things? Am I getting, am I, is, through the things that I'm, in the arenas that I'm working in, are we actually getting things done? And also, what kind of relationships are we leaving behind? And really the effects, the wake in relationships, it's the effects of our interactions with people. As we interact with people, what kind of effects are happening behind us? Now, like I said earlier, you know, I look at a wake and I see a lot of fun potential. Uh, you know, several years ago, my family, uh, I think it was about seven or eight years ago, we took a big trip and we drove through all the national parks on the western part of the United States. So we went to several national parks all around, one up in Yellowstone. I'd, I'd always wanted to go there. But we stopped at this one place called Lake Powell. Have any of you guys ever been to Lake Powell? All right. There's a few. It basically, if you think of the Grand Canyon half full of water, that's Lake Powell. It's just majestic. It's the, probably one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And I wanted to go out on the water. I'd been there once before. I took the family there. I wanted to go out on the water. Now, have you ever rented a powerboat? They're not cheap. You know, I went, hey, we're going to get a really good one. No, we won't. Uh, we're going to get the next one. No, no, we're not. Actually, you know, this little one, it's got a, it's a pretty tiny engine, but this one is still really expensive. And <laughs> we'll go with this one. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're trying to hype it up with your family. Our, our kids were 7 to 11 then, not, not the store. But um, so we had, we had, you know, the group together. I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to go on the water. And, I was, and in my mind, I was going, well... We could probably go around like a little bit of the lake, but you know, it'll be fun. We'll get out on the water. And, uh, anyway, we, we jump, we go out there and the guy comes out and he leads us out and he, he tells me, uh, he says, which one do you have? I said, Oh, I got the, uh, the, the less expensive one. And he, he walks out. Turns out they were having a really slow day and he walks out to the pier. We're walking down the dock and he stops and I'm like, there's no boats here. Why are we stopping? And he starts looking around and he looks. And there's this long row of really nice, incredibly looking boats that have lots of power. And then he turns and he looks this way and sees the three boats <laughs> that cost the amount that I've paid. And he goes, you know, you guys would really rather have one of those. I said, well, yeah, of course I would. Uh, I don't really want to pay the $300 more, though. And so he, he, goes, he, he goes back and forth. He goes, you know what, I'm going to go talk to them. No one's, there's, we don't have very many people here today. I'm going to give you one of these boats. I'm like, Seriously? I said, you know, and he goes, you don't have to pay anything extra. So he goes, he goes in and he talks to him and we get this boat. We're out in the water and I'm having the blast. So this thing, I mean, uh, it's like renting a Corvette for the day. You know, I just, I put the, put the hammer down and we were like flying and, uh, we're just having a great time. And then we're going all these little canyons. We're just having a lot of fun. And then this big party barge, like some, I don't even know if that's what it's called, but this big, huge thing with lots of people went by and had this huge wake coming out the back. And I, I just went, oh, ooh, that looks like fun. And so we're like driving over there and I start playing with the wake, some with the boat. And if 
Finally, I said, all right, guys, let's try this. And usually when I say let's try this, it's usually a bad decision. So so I, I like, pulled around to the side, and I just floored it. We just, oh, man, we had fun. And I came back around. I came perpendicular to the wake. I thought, this is going to be fun. Well, it was fun as we left the water. You know, it's like uh, we launched, and it was it was a bow rider boat, and so all my kids are in front, and every, all of us go weightless. I'm a, and I'm scared to death. We go weightless. I'm like, oh my! I mean, I'm just I'm I'm scared to death. But there's no. I mean, what can you do? I don't want to be here. It doesn't matter. I'm here. We're flying through the air, and as we start, we're coming back down. I'm thinking, I, I'm I'm just thinking, man, I don't want to lose a kid. They're, everybody's in the air, and we came down perfect landing. It was like. Evil Knievel would have dreamed of it. It was, it was a whole lot of fun. And I, and I'm, and my heart's beating. I'm turning back around going, never again. And all the kids are going, let's do it again. (laughs) No, 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 no. But, uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. We did stay on the wake and we did all kinds of fun. You know, as you, uh, as I, I was thinking about that story when I was thinking about the wake that we leave behind us as we live our lives. You know, as you turn back around and you look back at the wake on your relationships, are there people smiling and playing on your wake because they've really, uh, they really enjoy being around you, the impact you've had on their life? Do you see a lot of that? That's something to look back and say, and just look back, are people really enjoying the fact that I've moved through their life? And that's, that's, that's a, that's a really good, really key thing to look at. What's their experience of that? Does it, do they feel better off? Do they feel worse off? What is the effect behind me of the relationship wake that I have? And so really, you know, to do well, to lead well, you really need to be balanced on both of those. You need to both having things you're getting done and also having uh, having good relationships going out the back. And I want to look this morning just at some things. We're going to look at Jesus, obviously, as the model, as we, you know, he's the only perfect leader uh, who's ever lived. And... He also is the only one that had a perfectly balanced wake coming out the back. And this is what he said. If you look at uh, John 17, 4, um, it just says, uh, I glorified you on the earth. He's praying to his father, having accomplished the work that you've given me to do. And just a few, uh, that same night, just a little bit earlier, in John fifteen fifteen, he says this. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus had a perfectly balanced wake. He accomplished everything that God gave him to do. And he had the people around him, they felt cared for, they felt listened to, they felt invested in, and they really blossomed under his leadership. And there was really a sense of enjoyment behind him. He's someone we can really look to for for advice. So we want to do that this morning. I'd like to, I want to look at uh, two sides, those two wakes a little bit this morning, just a few things, maybe some things that would be helpful. Uh, on the relationship side, I'd like to start with that. Just just take a glimpse at how Jesus handled relationship, what he said and what he did. It was actually that same night. I'd like to look at uh, that same night just a little bit earlier in John 13. So let's look at John 13.3. It says this. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So like we, like we said a couple weeks ago, Jesus was the one who could command the wind and the sea 
to stop in a wood. He had all power. He has all power. And so in this room, he has the most power and the most influence of anybody in that room. And so what does he do with that? The very next verse, it says, So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He served them through from the position of power and influence. He served them. He met their real need in the moment. And this wasn't like a one-time thing. This was really the way he lived his life. And this was something he was doing just to try to get their attention and try to anchor in this thought and this idea because this was the night before he was crucified. And so then just a little bit later as he's talking about this in John thirteen thirteen, go ahead and pull that up. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So he, the way he lived, he served the people that were around him, the people that he led. And he said, that's exactly what I want you to do in lives, in other people's lives. And what that does is that really accomplishes, it accomplishes things on both sides of the wake. You know, you have, as you have people that you're serving and taking care of, there's a lot of goodwill that comes in. And so when you, when you lead, the goodwill then really encourages them to really to throw in and cooperate and be a part of what's happening. And so when you serve people, it's, it's one of the most powerful things you can do as a leader is to serve the people that are under you so that you can really accomplish the things that God has put on your plate. So as you, this morning, you think, the questions you can think through is, uh, different arenas of leadership that you have, but what, what needs do your kids need to have met? That's a question you can think through. What, what, what needs do my kids need to have met? What needs does my wife need to have met? What needs does my husband need to have met? What needs do my employees, uh, or my team, team members need to have met? You know, several years ago, you know, uh, I, a lot of the stories I share are from my 27 years in uh, civil engineering because I, that was like a big Petri dish for me. I've just really learned a lot of things about getting things done in leadership and, and relationships with people. When I became a full-fledged supervisor, uh, I was the real deal then, uh, the, I had performance evaluations. Performance evaluations are still just a hard thing. And there was this one, this one person uh, that I was, uh, if she had a, her way coming out, there weren't many things on the task side that were coming out. She was having, she just wasn't really producing very much. And, and I went into that meeting, I, I was starting, I almost just gave her one of the lowest ratings you can get. And then I thought, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go talk to her first. I want to have a conversation with her first because I don't really understand why, what's in the way. And so as we got together, we, we talked, and, and I just asked her, I said, is, do you think that civil engineering is really the thing, uh, that, like the really, the career choice that you want? And she got really offended, and she goes, I can't believe you asked me that. And I said, well, I said, I'm just trying to figure out, I said, you and I have worked together in the past, and you've always been someone who got things done, but, but now you're not getting many things done, and I'm just confused by it. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what's going on. And she goes, well, about two, three years ago, um, I, I worked really hard on this project. They asked me to come in a lot of overtime. 
And I did that, and we, we got the job done, and no one even mentioned it. No one even acknowledged that I did anything. And I just thought, man, if they don't even care, I'm not even going to work hard. I said, huh. Well, I said, you know what? Uh, hey, I don't know. I don't know what happened back then. But I will tell you this. If you work hard and you get the job done, I will recognize it. And I'll tell you what, I really appreciate it. And, uh, hey, uh, it'll even lead to better and more varied assignments. And we had this good conversation. It was a long conversation, but she walked out and she goes, well, th- well, thank you for talking to me. I said, well, you're more than welcome. So I, I gave her a, a performance rating just a little higher than I was, I was planning when I went in there with the hope. And the next year, I gave her a much higher performance rating because she had really turned a corner. She began to just, her attitude had changed and she began to really produce. And, uh, taught me a major lesson. In fact, there's a, there's a verse that I want to share this morning that in every area in my arenas of leadership has been really, really helpful. And that's something that Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. He's, Paul said, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. So we, you know, I think our natural reaction, my natural reaction is when someone's not performing or not doing the things that you think they should be doing is to make snap judgments. What Paul would say is just be patient with that. Be patient with that. Find out what's going on. You know, it could be, it could be that they are being unruly and you need, and you need to admonish them. You need to, you need to correct them. It could be that they're just feeling really faint-hearted. They feel just discouraged and they need some, they need some encouragement. Or it could be that they just don't know how. And I've run into all these, uh, at work. There's been many times I've gotten with somebody. I've, I've wondered, well, why are they not getting it done? And then I find out they didn't know how, but they didn't want to tell anybody. But maybe they just don't know how. And so you just really help them and show them how. It makes a huge difference in the way you approach people. And you really serve them by really understanding what it is they're facing and assuming the best that they actually want to produce. And then only if you find out that's not true, then you deal with that. That's something that's really been very been helpful with me. And I won't tell I won't tell too many stories about when we had to have uh, some admonishment. Um now, Jesus, right after he's hit the example that night before he was crucified, he said this in John 13. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now, I, you know, I think what he's saying is, you know, if, if you, uh, if you know that you, you should serve the people that are under you, that's not going to do much. But if you actually serve the people that you're leading, then that will make a huge difference. In fact, you'll be blessed. I think when he says blessed, I think one of the ideas that, that will be included in that is that your wake becomes uh, a lot more like what Jesus' wake was. And you begin to gain a lot more influence in the lives of other people as you begin to really do that. So I don't, um, I'd like to switch now from the relationship side of the wake to the, uh, to the task side of the wake, like getting things done. And to do that, I want to just spend just a little bit of time with uh, with a leader from the Old Testament. It's a it's a guy named King Asa, and uh, he was uh, Solomon's uh, great grandson. And so he took over the kingdom had already been divided. He was the king of the southern kingdom, and when he came in onto the scene, when he became king, 
He spent about 10 years just developing, getting things done, and really fortifying the kingdom and taking care of the kingdom and really strengthening the kingdom. And then after 10 years, this huge Ethiopian army, this army came up to really attack them. It was a million, they, they say it was, uh, in Second Chronicles it says it was a million man army. They came up, they were going to take them out. And what I found is that when you're, when you're leading an effort and you're trying to get things done with the team, there's all kinds of circumstances that come up. All kinds of circumstances that come up that are hard to deal with. And I think what God does is He uses those circumstances we face and the choices we make to really grow us and really help us to see, uh, really to grow in our competence and how to lead and how to get things done. So I'd like to look at what this million man army is coming up uh, against uh, Judah. I'd like to look at what Asa did. He did two things that I think we really want to take note of today. And the first one is he showed up to the battle. He, he, he brought his armies out and he showed up to the battle. And then he prayed. He prayed and he asked God for help. In fact, in Second Chronicles 14.11, uh, it recounts that prayer. It says, Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you. And in your name have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. What happened next? What happened next is the Ethiopian army. It says that God really helped them and they were completely shattered. In fact, it was shattered. It says that they never recovered. It's like, it was like an amazing outcome that Asa never could have dreamt of. And what I, what I found is that there's many things that come against you, come at you when you're trying to lead something in your, and against your team is that sometimes you see that God is acting outside of anything you're doing and he's really taking care of things around you. And if you ask him for help, he really will heal outside of what you can actually do. He causes things to happen and causes you to accomplish things. So what Asa did is he took ownership of what was facing him and he trusted God. Asked him for help and he moved out. Now, <clears throat> about five years later, Asa was still working just to enact reforms and really make a difference. And I think he must have begun to wonder if everything he was working on it was really helping, if it was really making a difference, if anything would really come of his work. Because God sent uh, a messenger to him to tell him this in Second Chronicles 15.7. He says, but you be strong and do not lose courage. For there is reward for your work. But you be strong and do not lose courage. For there is reward for your work. I think what God was telling him is get a grip. Get a grip on your responsibilities and don't give up. Because what you're doing is really going to make a difference. Just stay in the game and keep working hard. You know, I think sometimes we look ahead. <clears throat> excuse me. Sometimes we look ahead and things tend to look or kind of feel impossible. So we we kind of decide that if something isn't going to work. We don't really need to like engage with it. But the reality is, is that, um, is that actually God is really working. And when we ask him for help, he can really help us. And when we don't decide that something isn't going to work, we just go ahead and find out it doesn't work. As my dad would say, you know, this, let's find out it doesn't work. Let's not decide it doesn't work. And when you do that, when you actually move forward uh, with courage into a situation, you find that things Working with God alongside you, you find things that actually work and you make progress when it actually didn't look like it could happen. But if you decide it doesn't work, then you never enter into that. You kind of cut yourself off from really seeing what you could actually accomplish 
uh, with your team. And so I'd like to, as we, as we get, uh, as we get close to the, to, uh, to closing today, you know, there was, uh, there was a time, uh, several years ago, it was one of the first projects that I led as a project engineer. And I remember, uh, they, they came in, they put a lot of pressure on us, put a lot of pressure to say, you need to get this job, it has to be awarded by September 30th. Uh, but, uh, the sponsor doesn't have all the real estate. It was a small project in our Reach 9 area. And, uh, there's, there's, uh, we need to have the, we need to have the real estate before we can get going. And the design's not quite done. And so I pulled the team together and I began, as we're, as we're trying to figure this out, I, we had, we had a bunch of older, older folks that had been on lots of teams in the past, some younger folks that were in the room that were on the team. And, and I was a brand new leader. And I was filling my oats that day. I, I actually had some really good, uh, input and some really good leaders that I'd followed, um, uh, at Christian Challenge and in other places in my life. And I began to, some of the things we're talking about today, I began to think that possibly God could actually cause things to happen outside of our efforts. And so I was, had been praying about how we're going to make this happen. And I got the, we got the team together and, you know, everybody's sitting there like, they got their, they're not engaged at all. And, and so I just, I walked with the board and I said, Hey guys, we're, we have to get this done by September 30th. There's only one problem. It's impossible. And right then, can you say that? People started looking around and so I wrote on the board, impossible. And I said, here's all the reasons why it can't be done. And we wrote down, we don't have the real estate. The design's not done yet. And we went through, I said, anybody else have anything? Oh, yeah, okay. And so we wrote some other things down. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. I said, it's impossible. And I turned back, I just turned back around and I just said, well, we're going to do it anyway. And a lot of the younger folks in the room kind of leaned forward. And all, a lot of the older folks went, Who's this kid again? <laughs> I said, we're going to do it anyway. And so I said, let's, and so I said, you know what? We might fail. We might, we, we might not do this at all. I said, I don't know if we can actually do this, but we're going to go down swinging our swords. And, you know, there were, there were, uh, one of the, after, after we had the meeting, one of the, one of the, uh, older folks, uh, she'd die if I, she knew I told you that, said that she was an older folk, but, one of the older folks came up to me and she said, she was our, one of our construction people. She said, I'll swing my sword right along with you. I said, man, I appreciate that. And what we did in that meeting is I said, let's put together a scenario. What would have to happen for us to do this? And so we mapped it all out. Okay, we have to get you know, a real estate waiver. We have to get all these things. We have to get a notice to proceed with a two-phase notice to proceed. We got all these ideas on the, on the board. And then I, we, we walked out of the room and everyone had an assignment to go find out how they could do that. And as we walked out of the room, uh, and as we went over the, like, over the next two weeks, almost none, none of those things happened. Almost none of those things happened. But what did happen is because we were all engaged and because we were all trying to get the job done, everyone's creative juices were flowing and we came up with hybrids and different ideas and we eventually came up with the idea that did work. It was more of an unfolding thing as we went. And you can drive down this 91 freeway and you look at that project. It was impossible to build. But it's there. It's in the dirt. There's, And all along the way, just so you know, is I was praying and asking God for advice, help. And I was just looking to see how I could help the team have what they needed because I needed them 
to figure out all these things from their different angles, from legal, from hydraulics, from design, all the different things we had to do. It's a huge, it was a huge, uh, it was a huge moment for me just to, a learning moment. It's a huge learning moment for me because I knew that it had nothing to do with me and it happened even beyond even what we all thought we could possibly do. So don't give up. Don't give up because it looks like it can't happen. Engage with it. Take God with you. Ask him for his help. Trust him and move out courageously. And uh, things can happen. So as we wrap up today, I'd like, as you think, think about the areas that you lead in. Think about you have arenas of leadership. It might, the areas that you have influence. And just ask these two questions. These are just evaluation questions you can ask yourself. Is what have I, what am I accomplishing? What am I accomplishing? And the other question would just be, how have I dealt with people? How have I dealt with people? What what am I accomplishing? And how have I dealt with people? And I think those two questions will open up some ideas in your life, in the way, the things you're leading for some real next steps and things that you could do with maybe some of the things you heard today or just time you spend with God on your own. So with that, I'd like to... I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. And as they come up, uh, now's a great time to finish filling out your connection card. And you can drop that in the offering bucket when it comes by. And I'm going to pray for us, and we'll continue with the service. Dear God, Father, I am just so grateful to you that your word helps us figure out how to live our lives. And God, I just pray that you would really help each one of us in the arenas of leadership that we're in and really help us to make progress and to do relationships well. In Jesus' name, amen.